Imagine a world in which post-traumatic stress no longer robs from millions who suffer. You don't want to get help because you're embarrassed. That stigma of you can't talk to people it is so true. The experts, they forgot to tell me I can heal. I don't want to live this trauma again. Right. And he goes, yeah. you don't have to. I said, yeah. what? I just remember being able to stand by the water and look up at the sky and hear the noises. And I didn't think they were gunshots. I was like, those are Disney fireworks. I don't even know what to imagine for myself now, my future, because I have one. This is Life After PTSD. Welcome to Life After PTSD. And I'm really excited today, like always. But actually, today is more exciting because we're actually in, like, on location of wonderful with the founder, Heather Palacios. And I'm super excited. To have your podcast team show up at my house is a whole nother level of stress (laughs) that requires serious EMDR when we're done. (laughs) Like, dogs, kids, cleanliness... I'm sorry. Wanting to make a first impression I, with I was team. expecting there to be like stuff all over the table. I'm really disappointed no, that we, it's so clean. Oh, no, no. we It's all in a closet that's going to be an avalanche when I open it later. So next time I come, I'm going to just call your kids. I'm going to get their number and be like, hey, is your mom going to be home today? Mm. Okay, we're going to be there. Mm-mm. We're just going to walk no. in. <laughs> no. We, we went to great extents to to give you so guys a first sorry. good impression. <laughs> I but, but doesn't it feel good to have that, have it all? Hidden? Well, sort know, of, sort of it does. Right? Because I operate wonderful out of my home, I can't have chaos and disorder um, because I live with that in my head. So the team that I work with, they're awesome about keeping everything organized and succinct. And I always, my, I always tell them everything has to be Tetris. There's got to be. Oh, I love you. Yeah. That's, that's how, what I tell my kids all the time. Yes, tetris, tetris it. Just Tetris, tetris it. Tetris it. Yes. It don't, it don't just... Do they know what, the, what that is? They do. Oh, okay. I made sure they played the game. Yes. Everything is tetris here in the wonderful workshop. That is amazing. I love... It. I mean, I always loved you, but now I really love you even more that you tell your kids to Tetris things. Yes. Yeah. So today we are going to be talking first... And I know we've had you on the podcast before. You're a friend of ours. But we have a new host today, actually. Yeah. Co-host. Co-host. So I am Carrie Arezzo from First Orlando Counseling. And with me is... Ed Merkel, also from First Orlando Counseling. And we're here at the home of Heather Palacios, also her office. Yes. For Wonderful. I commandeered... The dining room and the living room and converted it into a wonderful workshop where we assemble life boxes. And I did not ask my family's permission, but I will someday ask for their forgiveness. I think that's a great that's a great theory there. And truth be told, I am a terrible cook, so we don't need the dining room. So it it was kind of like a waste of space. Now it's being used. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And it's being used to help safe lives other than just food right i mean come on we're not saving Mm -hmm. bellies over here we're saving lives so when did you first i mean when did you first start doing this like it started by just sending somebody something but can you yeah just tell a little bit about that yeah so uh for the last 21 years have been championing um suicide prevention from my own lifelong battles. And one of the ways that I have manifested that is when I get a call to go to a hospital or a psych ward or a 
a home to visit somebody that's on the edge of a ledge. I've always brought a box of essentials. Um, and those include the essentials that I've needed my whole life um, to battle my own suicidal temptations. Well, during COVID, I wasn't able to make the deliveries because everything was shut down. So just, I guess, out of desperation and necessity, I started receiving more than ever the, the these people that were struggling due to mainly isolation. Uh, and I was like, well, I got to ship them because I am not allowed to go anywhere. And so I started shipping them. And and it, tell us about what they are exactly. I mean, so like it's, it's for a life, people who yeah. haven't heard your podcast before. It's a life box and... Every single box has three essentials that are non-negotiable, a Bible, a journal, and a pen. Um, and then in addition to the Bible, journal, and the pen, we curate every life box based on age, gender, and severity of situation. So um, this right so here, have- this is a Spanish life box that's that, you know, that I've made today, and that's going to go to a, a Spanish person that has been mentally struggling. This is a student life box. This, I mean, but I've sent them to people as young as six and as old as 80. And aren't there lifesavers in all the boxes? I think we should get there lifesavers. Is, there, there is lifesavers. To, to, to start sponsoring you. Well, I've tried to get lifesavers to sponsor because I will tell you that that's, that's one of the more expensive components mm-hmm. in the life box. But the reason I never just ship the essentials of a Bible journal and pen is I never want people to think that this is like a, a religious bait and switch. Hmm. And so I always throw in fun things and stress uh, balls and stress balls and wristbands and post-it notes and hot tea. And if somebody has lost chapstick, I love chapstick. I always do chapstick. Always tissues because if you're in any kind of mental duress, you're, you should be crying. If you're not, you should be let those tears out. Uh, I also have forget me not seeds. Those go into the grief life boxes. We do life boxes for people that have lost someone to suicide. Oh, wow. And so we always put in a forget-me-not seed so they can plant something in their honor. Oh, that's that's great. I love it. It's just, it's, <clears throat> I don't know, beautiful comes to mind in, in my head, mm-hmm. even though, like, the situation isn't necessarily mm-hmm. beautiful. But, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, being able to reach out to someone in that time and yeah. just, and I think of, like, the, the essentials you're talking about and how much just those three things can how that can impact someone in that time. I mean, you know, I've been in bad mental seasons and that was all I had. You know, when you, when you're battling depression or you're in a psychiatric ward for a suicide attempt because you were Baker acted, you don't have amenities and luxuries and creature comforts. And sometimes you don't even have a pen. Right. I mean, and sometimes they don't allow a pen. Right. Um, But, but my Bible has always been allowed and accessible. And the journal and the pen, I mean, I've, I have my journals carried from when I was eight years old. I'm 48. I have a wow. lot of journals. Wow. And I think that is an essential because when you have no one to talk to or uh, you are alone, there is no companion like being able to write out what's going on inside of you onto paper. Um, yeah, I remember hearing your letters that you wrote to your grandparents, mm-hmm. right? On a mm-hmm. previous um, mm-hmm. podcast, we talked about that. So, so we, you know, we've sent these life boxes to in ten months to forty of how many states are there? Fifty or fifty-two? Fifty. Thank you. No problem. Fifty-two cards in a deck. Yep. It's one of these days I'm going to remember. It's okay. That. I I actually do the same thing. I'm so sorry. And my husband looks at me and goes, "Why can't you remember that?" I never can. I'm like I don't know. I just feel like, you know, it's too trivial. I just feel like Hawaii mm. and Alaska should be the extra two. Well, I, 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 I it should be fifty. It's, it's, like, 
plus Hawaii plus and Alaska. Two. That's and what it, I think. It's trivial. We yeah. we store we keep in our brains things that are not trivial. Absolutely. Carrie. Really. Absolutely. Okay. So in Important ten months, things. we've sent out uh, one thousand six hundred life boxes. That's amazing. To forty states and four different countries. Ranging from, like I said earlier, a six-year-old up to an 80-year-old. This 80-year-old reached out because her husband had passed and she was a widow and she didn't want to live anymore. Mm-hmm. And her child, her daughter reached out to us, would you send one? And we did. The six-year-old was heartbreaking because it was communicated to us that his mother attempted a murder-suicide mm-hmm. with him and her. And the authorities got involved, but the family member reached out to us and said, could you send a life box to the six-year-old? Oh, wow. That's really cool. So how were they hearing about you? You just started, you started talking on social media. And I mean, I met you at a training, um, but you started talking on social media and just sharing your story. Yeah. And I think the, the life box has taken on this life of its own by word of mouth and social media. That's awesome. Because I do not have the money to pay for advertisement. I'm sorry. I don't have any money, period. So it's just word of mouth. And now we, we get at least one a day. Yeah, and that's and that's one of the things that we're going to do in a few minutes is I want you to have, I want to put your um, commercial, if you will, right, on some of our other podcast episodes so that maybe somebody will hear about it and I don't yeah. know, donate something or or. We've had um, recently a couple of churches reach out and and place an order to keep them on hand. Mm, That's a good idea. Um, And we had a college reach out. uh, A college outside of Chicago had a suicide attempt not too long ago, and they asked their counselors on the property asked if they could have some on hand. And I was thrilled to partner with them for that. Yeah, that's so exciting. Yeah. Um, So, and I don't know that there's anybody really doing anything like that. Like, it's an interesting... um, you know, somebody, you, you had a need, you had something that happened to you mm-hmm. and you realize, Hey, this is, this is a way I could give mm-hmm. back. Uh, but I want to ask when you, you said pre COVID you were going to visit people. So mm-hmm. when you heard about somebody who had died by suicide or was struggling, mm-hmm. you went and visited them in the hospital or when or mm-hmm. with the family yeah. or yeah, for, for year, I mean, for 21 years, you know, I, I'm, I'm just in this like unorthodox role where uh, my biggest temptation is suicide. I mean, my garage is right there and my car is in it. And I'm, you know, I live 10 feet away from my biggest temptation and, and I have to fight that in my head. And I've learned that it is a fight, but it is winnable. And with my relationship with God and my, my counselor and my medication and my church, uh, it, it is winnable and I can do it. And, and I want to help others do the same. And so I'll go anywhere. I've, I will go any hospital, any psych ward. I'll go to, I've gone to prison. They won't let me bring the life boxes in. But when people have gotten out of prison, I've had people reach out and say, would you send a life box? And I actually got photos of that. Uh, someone that was incarcerated was released, and we sent a life box to him. And it makes your eyes water when you see the photos of him opening it up. So... And the other thing that I love about you is it's, you're just so real. Like, the, hey, I struggle with this. Because mm-hmm. most of us don't want to talk about our struggles, right? right? I mean. Well, or we do, but we want to, we're just doing it so that we'll get attention or go viral mm-hmm. or get a bunch of likes on social media. You know, that is such a good point. Because I, 
you're right. People do that now. Years yeah. ago, when we Years were ago. growing up, right. when I was growing up, you didn't talk about these things, right? Yeah. But now it's like, oh, I'm having a tough day. And yeah. I think I, I may, you know, and, and yeah, they get all these, you're right. Yeah, that's I terrible. Think, I think that's a dual syndrome right now of people struggling mentally and talking about it and people thinking they're struggling mentally and want to talk about it. Well, hmm. it's interesting you say that because I think that one of the things I say that a positive that came out of COVID, lovely pandemic, is that people who had never struggled, like, well, let me back up. We all are on some continuum of mental wellness. I mean, I don't think anyone is mentally perfectly well, <laughs> at least not the... right. Blondes in the room, but you know, right, right. I'd like to meet that person. <laughs> yeah. But you know, just oh, I, your co-host <laughs> is mentally no, just well. Kidding. Just kidding, no. Um, I know. I, Walking I, disaster. I, let me just say, I know his wife. Okay, so okay. <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> um, so, I I think that we look at mental illness as like this category, like that person is mentally ill, but we don't look at that with health. You know, we don't look at this person go, Oh, they're physically unhealthy. And we might do that. But most of the time we're, you know, we're just like, okay, they're, they need to get to the gym. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we might mm -hmm. say that. Right. But I wish that we would just start looking at mental wellness as just, it's a continuum. We're all on the continuum. Right. During the pandemic, which is what I started with pandemic, people who had never struggled with their, where they were on that continuum, you know, they had been fairly mentally well. Mm -hmm. Many of them struggled like they had never struggled before. Right. And I think a lot of them were like, Whoa, Oh, to people like you, oh, Heather, this is what you've been talking about? This yeah. is how you felt? Right. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but worse. Right. And so I almost wish that we would um, change, just change the vernacular. And instead of calling it mental health, mental wellness, mental illness, I oh. wish we would say brain health, brain illness. Or just, or just wellness, like, yeah. right? Well, In just general. because then it would, it would attach it to an organ, a part of the yes, anatomy. Yes. And so the diabetes and in, in the kidneys and the asthma in the lungs and the depression in the brain. Um, yeah. It would be, I think people would receive that more. No, I yeah. agree. I, I still remember the day I had been a counselor for years and a really close friend of mine um, who I didn't realize was even on any kind of medication was on some anxiety medication. And she looked at me and she said, um, I said, oh, I didn't know that. I, I'm sorry. I, I don't know what I said to her, but I said something that made her then say, oh, well, I don't mind it telling people, um, you know, my brain is an organ like anything else and good grief. It, there's probably a whole lot more going on in my brain that could go wrong than many other organs. So I don't know why people have a, such an issue yeah. sharing right. that they have some anxiety or depression right. or right. whatever they have. Yeah. And it's, you know, I, I for initially was concentrating on advocating for mental health and mental illness, but I, f I feel like that has gotten a lot of support and a lot of um, motion in the last decade. And so I've actually narrowed it for myself and, and my organization. I don't want people to die by suicide because it doesn't matter what mental illness they have. If they're dead, there's nothing any expert can do. So, and, and, and it ties very closely with my own mental battle of fighting those suicide thoughts in my head. So yeah, I try to stay in my lane. Um, I just don't want people to give up. Absolutely. So what would you say? Um, so I think I shared with you that, um, my, someone in my family had 
someone close to them recently have a situation mm-hmm. where they were suicidal and it was a new situation for this person in my family. And so what would you say, you know, when to, first of all, the family member of someone dealing with suicidal thoughts or a friend mm-hmm. like in school, mm-hmm. um, what would you say to them? You know, if they, what would you say they I should mean, be doing, saying? Thinking? I get, I get asked that question a lot by people in real case scenarios. Mm-hmm. I also get asked that question a lot from leadership, pastors, teachers, bosses, company owners, you know. So I I actually, and I, you know, I'm not certified. I should make sure that I communicate I am not certified. I am not an expert. I'm just a satisfied customer no, but, no, that's but still you're, alive. <laughs> but you're someone who dealt with this. Deals right? with it. Or you deal with it, yeah. yeah. You deal with suicidal thoughts. Yep. And there are things that have helped you, and there are probably things that have not helped you. The number one thing is call somebody. Call somebody. And, and I say that to the homeless person that is on the corner, and I say that to the affluent president of a massive Fortune 500 company. If you're having suicidal thoughts, call someone. And the, I've, you know, I've tried to keep it real simple for two reasons. Is in that state of mind, you cannot have a complicated protocol. Absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then number two is because that's what works for me. Um, during 2020, um, I was here in the living room by myself in isolation, and I just started to ruminate on the thought that, you know, have you, have you ever thought about the fact that you're kind of an embarrassment to your husband and you're, he's a, this, a, you know, p- smart, educated pastor and your teenage boys, have you ever thought about the fact that you're an embarrassment to them? And because I was alone here, those ruminating on those thoughts that, that are lies, but in that moment felt like truths, uh, I made a plan and um, started to put it into motion and knew that even though I had a plan and I was putting it into motion, I, I would also be dying a hypocrite, honestly, if I didn't follow my simple protocol of call somebody. And so I did. I called an anonymous lifeline for pastors. And so call someone is what I am most consistently saying and, and and also, you know, you call someone, whoever you call, they're not going to say, do it, do it. I mean, whoever you call is going to in that moment. And if they do, you need to call someone else. Yes. yes. Because we, we all know there have been some There's cases or some situations right. where right. somebody has said, You're, yeah, you should do it. They have right. you know, tested the waters. Right. Which is so egregious, but that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> but you need to call somebody. You need to call somebody. And whether that's just the, the life, suicide lifeline or someone you love, or someone you look up to, you need to call somebody. And then there's a whole bunch of things to do after that. So go ahead. What what would you say? And what would you say for the person who just thinks a friend is, you know, but they don't, do they say something? Do they, I mean, what what was good for you? Like if, if, if I thought that about you, Heather, right? Mm-hmm. If I was talking to you and I said, do, do you want me to say, hey, Heather, are you feeling suicidal today? Like, would you want, or do, are you having thoughts yeah. that are not useful today? Yeah. You know, I mean. I think, and, and that's, that. if there's any other agenda I would want to pick up in addition to helping people not die by suicide, it would be to get it out there that y- you need to ask straight up and yeah. not have some kind of, you know, fear that that is going to make it happen even more so. 
studies show, and you know yeah. this statistically, and studies show that asking does not trigger the action. And it hasn't for me either. When my husband over the last 22 years has had to say, Heather, are you having thoughts of taking your life right now? That's obviously worked because I'm still here. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I'm pretty sure your uh, husband and boys are not embarrassed of you at all. Yeah. Well, no, no. Hold on. Let me rephrase that. Um, I have teenagers too. I'm pretty sure they are embarrassed mm-hmm. of you actually yeah. at some point. Yeah. <laughs> but, but not because of Not you. for any reason other than just being mom. <laughs> because yeah. you're a mom. Yeah. Right. And, you know, a little, little loud and obnoxious, yeah. probably a little no, you know, I, like I, me. Yeah, yeah, I feel it. I, what's amazing to me is that God put two of us on the planet. <laughs> One would have probably been enough for mankind, but he put two. Yeah. Blot, and look at look at your and, co-host and over here. He's like... I'm sitting okay. here <laughs> between this energy. Too loud. <laughs> it's like stereo energy. I'm actually, I'm, actually, I'm actually thinking we need to get your boys in here and just ask them a couple questions. I think, I think can, can I ask them? Yeah. In? Okay, hold yeah. Hold on. They've never been interviewed before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So since we were just sitting here and, and one of the things your mom, well, first of all, thank you so much. We have Andy Palacios. Yep. We just pulled out of his bedroom. <laughs> Poor kid. It's another show first. Another yeah. Show first. <laughs> another show. Um, no, but I just thought one of the things, so I'm, I'm Carrie and nice I work you. at a counseling center, but we won't tell anybody that. And so does Ed. Ed. Yeah. But he's, nice he's, you. he's your, also your friendly fireman Well, Whoa. in Orlando. Cool. And a veteran, so you can Whoa. doubly thank him. Awesome. I've, been, I've been bored in my life very much. <laughs> Actually, and what my kids are, so my I have a 16-year-old, and my mm-hmm. daughter, what she thinks is really cool is what his actual job is. So tell him what your job is at the fire station. Uh, I'm an engineer. Which you do what? Uh, I drive vehicles. He drives. Drive oh, things. So cool. when they're going really fast. Yeah. My chauffeur. <laughs> that's awesome. So my kids are like, that's so cool. <laughs> in fact, my daughter later was like, I think that's cooler than fighting fires he drives <laughs> fast like he's that guy that drives yeah the that's fire truck. Cool. Mm-hmm. yep so your mom was just talking about the fact that she's had i mean you know her struggle because you mm-hmm. i'm sure you've heard about it right oh yeah and she said that she was sitting here in 2020 and she had this moment of wow i you know this my kids are probably embarrassed of me and my husband i mean i'm a pastor's wife Mm-hmm. We shouldn't have these thoughts. And she really seriously contemplated suicide and had a plan. And I just wanted to ask you, like, first of all, we know your mom's embarrassing. Like, I'm mm-hmm. a mom, too. I'm embarrassing, too. So that's okay. Yeah. But, but can you imagine? I don't know. What, what, what goes through your mind when you hear your mom say that? Yeah, can I you mean, share? Yeah, I mean, all moms, I feel like, have an embarrassing side, and I feel like that's Amen. part of being a mom. Yes. That's just... I mean, all that's moms. How, yeah, that's, that's how I obviously feel. have one. Yeah, it's all embarrassing. But yeah. also, I think, from my viewpoint, I didn't see really any negatives. Obviously, I'm proud to have her as my mom. She's one of the strongest women I know in my life. And I think those struggles just built her up and showed me how to deal with stuff like that. I mean, it's it's a huge, huge battle. Huge battle. Especially having kids, having being involved in the church. And I think that I got to witness that and watch her beat it over and over again. It's just motivating for me, especially as her, as her kid. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I'm going to cry, possibly. <laughs> I know. Don't no. do it. I'm a sympathy crier. <laughs> Oops. I'll be great. Um, yeah, so I, what I hear you saying is you see, first of all, your mom's one of the strongest women you know. Oh, yeah. And, and you've watched her 
go public with these struggles, which most mm-hmm. people don't, right? Yep. Or if they go public, it's like not what we were talking about earlier, kind of yeah. it's like for show. Like yeah. your mom is not for show. This is the real thing. She's like yep. this. She's <laughs> she's um has high energy. Yeah. Well, maybe not all the time, but I mean this is her this is her. Mm-hmm. And she's just being real and she's sharing her struggle. Yeah. I wonder I mean, if you had to guess, I wonder how many people's lives that have been saved because they've heard her story. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think one of the best things she could have done is exploit her struggles. Because, I mean, I, the I amount, love that you just said that. Yeah. Thank I mean, you. Yeah. I mean, the amount of people that are going through the, the exact same thing but will not say anything. I mean, the the enemy of suicide is being alone. And having someone to share that with makes you not feel alone. So I think it's one of the best things she could have done. 100%. I... I agree. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, it's amazing. And I'm so excited to hear you talking about this because it is so important. And so when you, have you, so I'm just curious, have you ever had any friends that have been going through something? Have you, have you sent them to your mom's site or have you told them your mom's story? Like yeah. that, do you, can you share anything like I mean, that? Like actually within a couple of weeks ago, one of my friends was really, really just going through it. I mean, school, especially being a girl, I won't say her name, but being a girl yeah. in high school, it's just the stuff you have to deal with, and she was in a really, really dark place. And I sent her mom my number, and they got talking. And, I mean, sh- she felt like, who can I relate to? That I can't relate to anyone. And I'm like, I know someone you can relate to. So I linked them up, and it was amazing. And I think that's one of the best things. I was awesome to get to witness that. It was yeah. great. So you're really pr- it sounds like you're really proud to have her as a mom. Oh, yeah. You kidding me? Cause, I mean, I, I, I have, like, a weapon, like, 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 hard to play against people that are going through it. Like, oh, you're going through this? My mom, because like she, I mean, she's experienced it and she's, she's won. And I think that's a huge accomplishment and I'm glad that I can definitely let people know that. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So yeah, no, she's, I think she's winning every day, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's so exciting. Um, any other, so what, when, how old were you when you realized like, wait a minute, my mom struggles with suicide. Like what Mm -hmm. is suicide? Like how do you, can you remember that day when Mm -hmm. you're like, wait, what, what's happened? Yeah. I mean, definitely when I was younger, I mean, she's really good at, at, Put on a face. I mean, if she's, if I had a bad day and she also had a bad day, she's so, so quick to just put on a smile because she values my worst day worse than hers. But ever since when I was younger, I mean, there's hints there and there. I mean, eventually you just have days that just suck and you, you can't hide it. It's just, it's bad. But I mean, I started picking up as recently as I got older, as I started seeing it unfold like in front of my eyes, I definitely noticed it, but I don't really ever see it as like a negative. I never look at it that, oh, she's having a bad day. And like, I feel sorry for her. I'm usually always the one motivating her. I'm like, get up, go work out, go do something like that. That's usually me. So I just see it as a, almost as an opportunity to improve her day. I'm like, oh, if she's doing bad, that means that there's so much room to be doing better. So I always just try to be that person. Uh, yeah. yeah, look up for me. Uh, but I, I, I know that the statement, I love the statement that if she's doing bad, there's always room to do better, right? Isn't that mm-hmm. what you just as yeah. you said? Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. So, what what would you say to your mom right now? Like, if you were gonna, you don't have to turn to her because she might start crying. Yeah, I'm but not. <laughs> but if, if if your mom was sitting right here in front of you and you mm-hmm. could look at her, um, what would you say to her? I mean, about the fact that she's still here and she has not taken her life. Yeah, I mean, the fact that I've heard that she's felt embarrassed. I mean, I just think that's that's ridiculous. I mean, we've never once felt embarrassed. And I mean, for me, going through high school, I mean, high school's rough. And having a person that I can talk to that's been through so much worse than what I'm going through and beat it and gotten through it, it just makes me like a peace of mind that my struggles aren't that bad. 
it always just, I can go back to, she's had it so much worse, so much worse, and she beat it, and so I just need to suck it up and be like her. Well, and, and it sounds like you're really thankful and proud of her. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard her say, like, oh, I'm, I'm embarrassed to, that you guys have to have me as mom, or, and obviously, I mean, I see why her mind goes there, but it's so, so wrong. I mean, me, my brother, my dad, it's just, it's such a blessing to have her around. One, a person to talk to when we're having struggles like that. To what she's doing now with her life boxes and what she's building up, building up people around her. I think it's huge, and we couldn't be more proud. Yep. That's amazing. Like, just to me, like, bravery comes to mind. Like, if I had to synthesize all that down to, like, its lowest common denominator, I just think of, like, bravery. And then, But your mom's passing that on to you guys, which is pretty amazing, like, that you have this level of comfortability one to just come and well, then I just, I do, I just <laughs> you just got drug out of your yeah. your bedroom by a stranger uh to talk on <laughs> thank you a podcast. sorry um, although i think your mom might do the same thing if she was at my oh, house yeah oh yeah <laughs> um it's just it's i mean that that's really cool i think it's important like and, and i think that's that's evidence like that's proof of how just having these conversations that we have on life after ptsd or other you know, other arenas where you can talk about this in the open and there's no shame or guilt or anything else. It's just having a positive conversation about your lived life experience and, and how you overcame it and how, and then taking that and, and helping thousands of other people. Um, it's just awesome. Yeah. I don't even, like, it's one of those like spectacularly spectacular, like significantly spectacular something i don't know just yeah, amazing it's not like a word for it like yeah. one word doesn't yeah. do it justice yeah i know i'm just so i'm yeah any anything anything else you you yeah. want to say or shout or out to your friends shout out like, to your friends here i mean because you know the and i mean the bottom line is your mom is still here and i think you're really glad that your mom's still here so it oh, sounds like to me yeah and i mean also just i, w- I want what everyone to think and i know what she's thought if you ever think that I mean, if I'm gone, no one will miss me or I'm going through too much or not, she can't handle it or no one loves me or I feel alone. I mean, look at my mom. She was literally at rock bottom, like rock bottom. But when you're at rock bottom, there's only one place to go. And I think she couldn't have gone higher. And I'm so glad that we have to see that. And if anyone else just feels like they have nowhere else to go, I mean, there is. God always loves you. There's always somewhere else to go. And look at her. I mean, she's she made it out, so do too it's amazing and 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 to think and i'll get her back on the mic in a minute but but to think i'm sure that when she was at that rock bottom if somebody had said hey years from now you're gonna be sitting with your teenage son Mm -hmm. and he's gonna say how proud he is of you that you're you've taken your struggle and you're helping other people with a a ministry like this she couldn't have thought of it, right? No. She would have been like, what are you talking about? Absolutely not. And I mean, when your mind is that low, you just think of worst case scenario, worst case scenario, worst case scenario. If you can just stop and just calm down for a second and think five years from now, five years from now, I'll be, I'll be here. That it just, there's no way you would ever still think that no one still wants me here. Five years later, you will have different relationships in your life, different things going on. And I think if she would have even thought about that when she was sitting alone in the mental hospital, that she'd be in this amazing house with the family doing this, raising up a ministry, like you said. I mean, it's just it's amazing. With this incredible child, like, you're incredible. That's amazing. 
I love you. <laughs> You're like, okay, stranger pulls me. Okay, yeah. a little weird. Yeah, a little weird. But thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. So this is completely unscripted, obviously. Um, yeah, anything you want to ask him? Anything else you want to say? I'm all right. Thank you. This is fun. Thank you so much. How, wait, how, how old are you? 16. Since 1983, when I was eight years old, I have been battling the thought in my head to take my life, but I'm 48 and still here. And a couple of years ago, I started an organization called Wonderful, which exists to help anyone, anywhere, going through any mental affliction to not give up. I do this by shipping life boxes all around the world. I'm just a box maker, but my motivation is to help everybody know that one more suicide is one too many.